podcast, Pam Ressler. Welcome to this episode of Raising Resilience. Today, I'm so pleased to have Faith Wilcox join me to talk about journaling and health. Faith is a Boston area writer who leads a very innovative journal writing program at Massachusetts General Hospital for Children here in Boston. Faith believes that self-expression through writing leads to healing. And that is very supported by a growing body of medical literature and research that suggests that articulating, sharing our stories and narratives helps to give meaning to our experiences in health and wellness and grief and also impacts in a very positive way our physical, emotional, psychological well-being and resilience. Faith is a published author. Her newest book will be coming out in June of 2021, entitled Hope is a Bright Star, a Mother's Memoir of Love, Loss, and Learning to Live Again. So welcome, Faith. I am so thrilled that we get to have this conversation that others can hear today. Um, You and I go back a a couple of decades in knowing each other through the most um, heartbreaking and unimaginable ways to anyone who is a parent listening. Both of us lost lost our teenage children to cancer. And so I'm particularly interested in how your journey led you to where you are today in um, bringing back to Mass General this very innovative program. So again, welcome and thank you for being with me today. Hi, Pam. Thank you for inviting me. Very, I'm very happy to be here. Journals of Hope was just a nascent idea many years ago. I started writing because I was sitting by my daughter's bedside who was very, very ill. She was receiving treatments for osteosarcoma, which is a very rare bone cancer. And while I was writing, I was beginning to express my anxieties and my fears and my hopes and my dreams and how I could see the future with Elizabeth, but how I could never envision the future without Elizabeth. Over time, my writing really began to help me process what we were going through. There was so much information being given to me every single day, and I would jot it down and be able to go back and look at it at a later time and start to understand all the new medical terms all the new procedures. So it helped me to assimilate what was going on. And writing, especially after Elizabeth's death, helped me to process the grief that I was feeling, helped me to be able to write about feelings that were some things that I never wanted to say aloud, but somehow my voice could get stronger through my writing. And in time, I wrote about places and times where I found comfort and peace. And again, my writing was really soothing, like a soothing balm for me. About three years ago, I thought that perhaps I could take this writing that has been so helpful to me and bring it to Mass General Hospital for Children 
with the hopes that it could be really beneficial for parents who are suffering next to the bedside of their son or daughter who's receiving treatments at Mass General Hospital for Children. I approached their family advisory council, told them about the benefits of journal writing, and also I shared with them some research. And within a few months, they said that they would very much like to begin a journal writing program. I started the program on the inpatient floors and worked there for about, um, obviously in volunteer position, for about uh, a year and a half before I had to put it on pause because of um, the pandemic. But in that time, I spoke with close to 800 people and about 85% of them really wanted to write. And these were children, generally over the age of 13 and parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, whoever was by the child's bedside. So I was really thrilled that it was very well received. And recently uh, we have started the program in the PICU. Uh, the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Mass General Hospital for Children. And again, the goal is to help parents who are going through extreme amount of stress, um, worries, also quite a lot of shock that their child is in this situation, and to give them journals to help them to be able to process what's going on to write down what's going on during the night, what's going on during the day, and their hopes and their fears. And through this process of writing, be able to begin to draw some strength and perhaps even a little bit of comfort at a minimum ease their anxieties. I think this is, well, so beautiful, first of all, and thank you for, um, making meaning out of your loss of bringing back some hope and healing to those now in the situation that you found yourself in um, many years ago. I, you also mentioned um, a couple things. One that struck my, my, my interest is this working with the pandemic. And as we know, it, it's been incredibly isolating for those who need to be patients in a hospital and not being allowed visitors or uh, friends to come and interact with them as we usually have. Um, how do you think that perhaps this idea of uh, journals of hope might be able to support them in the same way or, or maybe differently during this time of isolation? What are some of the things that you're thinking about? Well, with hospitalized teenagers, I think they must be feeling an extreme amount of isolation. They're away from their friends. Um, I know often that when my daughter was allowed to have friends to visit her and that would pick up her day enormously. So I can only imagine how difficult it is for teenagers now and for children now. So I think bringing Journals of Hope um, to children will be very beneficial. I remember when I was on the inpatient floors, one time being 
greeted by a a child who was clearly very frustrated that there was another person who was yet again in her room. And perhaps she thought I was gonna be asking her lots of questions. But in fact, I was offering information to her and I was talking about the benefits of journaling and how she might wanna write about what's going on in her life there, but she also might wanna write about special things that happened to her life in her life or a favorite vacation place, or she might want to write about her friends or what they do on Friday nights, just as a way to help escape what was going on um, around her. And her expression changed enormously and it softened. And she said she very much would like to write. So I think during this time, it's really important um, to be able to give uh, teenagers, and I know they're teenagers in the PICU as well, um, who will be given journals. The one thing that I do is I bring in some writing prompts because sometimes people find it a little bit difficult to get going. So some writing prompts that I have for teenagers is what was your greatest childhood adventure? Or what is it about your favorite activity, like biking or listening to music or playing basketball that makes you feel good? Also, what new activities might you like to try, like yoga or dancing or dog walking? Try things to look forward to when they're not in the hospital. You might want to write about their, their best childhood friends. Or I also bring in quotes because sometimes with quotes, you can start writing, thinking about the quote, and then you, and then your unconscious mind will take over and it really helps um, just to get you started. Some of the quotes I found for teenagers were, some were from the Harry Potter series. Um, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. That was from Harry <laughs> Potter. And in our choices, Harry, it is our choices, Harry that shows what we really are far more than our abilities. And from other um, our artists, I've taken some quotes. One is from Lady Gaga. I've been searching for ways to heal myself and I found that kindness is the best way. Um, from David, Henry David Thoreau, only that day dawns to which we are awake. And one more with Oscar Wilde, be yourself, everyone else is taken. <laughs> I love that. I think what you're expressing, and I love the use of prompts in those um, kind of concrete, but allowing um, one's creativity to flow off of that. It, it's so important because when we're in um, the hospital as a patient or a family member, the levels of stress are so high and our ability to really think abstractly or creatively has diminished. And that's a psychological response and a physical response to the amount of stress we're under. But also I think you're, you're beautifully opening up an opportunity, especially for those teenagers to be more than the diagnosis that they're there for. They really are able to share who they are 
and what matters to them in their writing versus simply the diagnosis that those who are caring for them in the hospital know them as. And that's just a very powerful um, intervention in my mind. I think it really Absolutely. helps build some resilience, you know? Um, and I love the quotes that you've chosen. Those are fabulous. I also noticed that you have them look, maybe what colors are you seeing? What are you noticing? In uh, what are you hearing? What sounds? And from my um, background in mindfulness, that's a wonderful way of uh, dropping in to the moment um, and noticing differently. So I love that kind of combination that you're using with literary quotes, pop culture quotes, as well as prompts to notice um, in the moment. So as we, um, I'm really fascinated too, Faith, about your success as well as um, some of the research surrounding uh, bringing a tool like journaling into such a high intensity, um, high technology, uh, lots of action, very scary place of an intensive care unit, especially a pediatric intensive care unit. So can you tell us, or do you know of any uh, research specifically being done about um, intensive care units, pediatrics, and this use of expressive writing or journaling? Yes, there's been some very interesting articles written and one quite recently, and it was, a study that was done to try to determine the efficacy of journal writing by family members when a loved one is in a natal intensive care unit or a NICU or a pediatric intensive care unit are also called a PICU. And the research that was done is they focused on mothers of infants who were hospitalized and what they did is they asked the mothers to write for 15 minutes a day for up to four times a week. And they encouraged this writing to be done um, any time of night or day, just to make sure that they did the writing and encouraged them specifically to write about the most emotional and upsetting experiences that they've had in the NICU. After many weeks, the key finding was what there was significant decrease in the psychological distress for the mothers who participated in the journaling intervention compared to a control group of mothers who did not have this intervention. Just knowing this on a personal scale, it makes a tremendous amount of sense to me because you're not keeping so many things trapped inside you. And the anxiety is particularly high, as you mentioned, in the, in the intensive care settings. One other thing that was found is that there was improved communication. The families found that the journals helped them to assess and assimilate and share information with other family members who perhaps were not able to be present, but were very keen and wanted to know what their the child, um, perhaps it would be a niece or a nephew was going through and want to know what the parents were going through. 
And another finding was that families found that the diaries allowed them to confide and keep hope alive. It allowed them to express active feelings and release fears and anxieties. One other, one other finding which was interesting is when they wrote a lot about their entire experience, their experiences with nurses, with doctors, with um, staff that help in every day and every way. And they found that the families were able to perceive the staff and in a new way and it served as a medium for developing warm relationships with staff. And I found that particularly interesting, not something that I would have been searching for. There's been other studies that have been done um, with patients um, who, have, who have, let's say a cancer diagnosis, studies that have been done with people who have experienced traumas like veterans and there's a researcher who's very well known named Dr. James Pennebaker. And he's done literally hundreds of studies with people who are under extreme emotional distress and has found again and again that people who write for at least 15 minutes a day, and it can even be a short period of time, it might be for four weeks, have better psychological outcomes than the control groups of people who didn't write. The particular article that I was talking about was um, called Journal Writing by Families of Critically Ill, and it was in the journal called The Critical Care Nurse. That's fascinating. And I've been very familiar with Dr. Pennebaker's work over the years, but um, I'm really interested in, um, in the, the research that you cited from the families in critical care units. And we'll make sure that we have uh, the citations in our show notes for those listeners who'd like to um, read more about that. I think just segueing a little bit on, on what you've been saying. So we see these, I, I also am really interested in that communication piece, but we, we see these incredible positive benefits for um, patients and families to do journal writing. Um, and we see this unexpected um, consequence of, of better communication between staff and, and family. I'm wondering if you've considered or, or thought about expanding your program of Journals of Hope and um, bringing uh, caregivers, professional caregivers, our healthcare providers into um, some type of program or an iteration of Journals of Hope? Well, actually just very recently, I was thinking about the nursing staff in particular and about the child life specialists and the social workers and the spiritual care providers who have been on the front lines of this pandemic for an entire year now. And I was thinking about the shock and the stress that they must be under and the constancy of high demand in intensive care settings. And so I expanded the program to include, um, to include nurses, uh, critical care providers, child life specialists, social workers, and spiritual care providers. And this literally has just happened within the last month. So I don't have any data to give to you. 
but I can all but imagine that it was very, it was first, it was very well received. And I can imagine that it will have many of the same benefits as it has for caregivers and for teens. Well, I imagine, so. I, it, well, this just uh, speaks to that we'll need to have another conversation about this, but I think responding to this incredible level of uh, unremitting stress that uh, our caregivers, our professional caregivers have been under this past year with something that gives them a tool to express their suffering and their stories is incredibly positive. If, um, if somebody were to ask you, how do they take some of your learning, your um, uh, experience into their own setting at their hospital or clinic, um, what advice would you give them? Are there any tips or lessons learned that um, you could share with us? Sure, of course. Um, first, within the pediatric setting of a hospital, I would try to find um, a person who might be a liaison with parents. For example, um, many, many hospitals have family advisory councils. And that was the way that I approached Mass General Hospital for Children through their family advisory council. And those councils are usually open to ideas because they are wanting to improve the overall um, the overall condition of parents and children. They're including their mental health and also their physical well-being. So if you can approach um, a family advisory council and share your ideas, I think that would be a great entree. Also, if you can bring some research along, um, hospitals and medical staff are very data-driven. So if you bring in some of this research, that will help them, I believe, in, in making the um, decision-making process. You also might find that you want to set up a um, fundraising site. Um, perhaps the hospital might have some extra resources for the journaling program, but if they don't, setting up a fundraising site and telling your friends and family and the hospital um, about it um, doing this, I've been able to raise considerable funds to keep the program running. Those are great suggestions. And, you know, having that connection to family advisory councils, um, you get the ear of administration within the hospital, which is often necessary to go to, go to that next step of implementation of any kind of initiative. So those are excellent thoughts. And when you're talking about funding, I mean, you're doing this on a volunteer basis, but are we talking about funding materials, the journals themselves, or is there another level of funding that would be necessary to um, keep a, a program like this afloat? I'm, I am actually just simply talking about the cost for funding the journals. Okay. Okay. And that's significant. I mean, you're talking about a significant number of families that you're reaching out when you talked about uh, a while ago, the 800 families or so. So that's a significant, um, right. significant amount to think about. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just, you know, still blown away by some of the, by the research um, that's coming out and, and how important this is. And I also agree with you that if someone listening wants to bring this idea to their hospital, to have some of, some of the evidence, uh, evidence-based research um, backing this with them. But really we're talking about building resilience and empathy and uh, really changing the patient experience, it sounds like to me, with this um, relatively simple but not easy to do intervention into a very high acuity, very intensive stress provoking uh, situation. So I, I think it's absolutely incredible and, and fascinating. Um, go on and on talking to you forever, but I, I'd love to know as a bit of a final question, um, you know, this is really about resilience. This, the Journals of Hope and so much of, of your journey speaks to me of resilience. What are some of the strategies that you used over um, the time of Elizabeth's illness and now to keep refilling your well as you give so much to others and keep yourself going? Well, to find places, I think it's very important where you can find senses of comfort and peace. For me, it is walking in the woods with my beloved dog. It's cross-country skiing across fields. It's kayaking on a lake. It's being with nature and just being able to be very peaceful and not have any uh, interference from to-do lists, from emails to answer, phone calls to make. And I found that nurture is very restoring for me. I also am so fortunate to have a network of friends who, is, who are very loving and whether um, I was in floods of tears or whether I was talking about something new and good that had happened to my day, my friends were really always there for me. And especially right after Elizabeth died or in the first few years after Elizabeth died, it was really important to know that I have my friends, to know that they, they were always had my back and that they were, they were just, there for me. Also, I think that having counseling is extremely important. I had many, many years of counseling and that just helped me to, again, to process all that I was going through. And um, it helped me to, to open, up my, open up my ideas and to approach life in a slightly different way. Yeah, I think what you say is it's so important. I mean, I, I hear so much connection coming out of your words, um, connecting with nature, connecting with friends, perhaps in different ways. And out of that, so much compassion. And I just, um, I think it's so wonderful that you have brought this incredibly innovative program back to um, a place of, of much sorrow for you. And you've given back so much hope. So I, I applaud you, Faith, in, in doing this. And um, I'd love to have another conversation after 
you um, start the program with um, with the nurses and with the child life specialists and 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 see what comes out of that because this is just so inspiring and so important as we all try to build our resilience in these really tough times. Is there anything I didn't ask you that um, you might want to add before we um, end the episode? No, I think we've, we have covered a lot. And yeah. I, one thing that I very much um, appreciate that you said is it is a way to bring hope. And I think it's so important to bring hope to people who are struggling in such adverse circumstances. And hope really is for me, the way to uh, get much, much closer to being able to be resilient and to cope in a world that is very, very different than one that I ever expected before. Absolutely, absolutely. Hope, just hope is um, always attainable. Sometimes we just need to redefine it, right? We um, march along in um, that is very true in our in our lives. Thank you so much, Faith. This has been just a wonderful chat with you and the work that you're doing. And I hope we can continue the conversation. And I will add um, the links to the resources that you. Um, mentioned when this episode is up on Apple Podcasts. So until next time, this is Pam Ressler. Stay safe and be well. Take care.